Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. And the, uh, the main theme is spiritual maturity, Christian maturity. I think sometimes people uh, miss that, and because they miss the, the reason that James wrote the letter, they shy away from it, because sometimes people will, will start reading in James, and, and they'll start thinking, well, I mean, that almost sounds like you're, you're being saved by the things that you do. And that's not the intent of James. We are, we are saved by God's grace. We are saved through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. James is not writing to us about how to be saved. He's writing to us about how to behave after we're saved. Uh, how we ought to, to live uh, in, in order to grow as Christians, in order to be spiritually uh, more mature. He, he started out uh, the book with, by talking about how uh, God wants us to learn patience or steadfastness as we face trials in our life, things on the outside that kind of uh, crowd in on us. And also as we face temptations, God actually wants to use both of those, bringing us through trials and temptations in a way that helps us to grow. So that was the first theme uh, that he had in, in the book. T- today we start the second main theme uh, in the book of James, which deals with practicing the truth, how we need to practice God's truth. Uh, and it starts in uh, verse 19 of chapter 1, goes all the way to... Uh, uh, verse 26 of chapter 2. Let me set your mind at ease. We're not covering all those verses today, okay? You will get to have lunch, okay? Did that go over your head? you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, what we are going to deal with is the, uh, the, the first verses uh, in this passage that he starts talking about practicing the truth that, that will deal with, with you and I hearing and doing the Word of God, not just hearing the Word of God and, and being satisfied with that. One reason we need to practice the truth is, is really this. Uh, people cannot read our minds. Do you understand that? Just knowing the truth is it, not enough for us to really give a Christian example or to show Christian maturity to others. Because they just can't read what's going on in our mind. We might have stuffed a lot of biblical facts in our head, but they can't read our mind. But they can see... As we live out God's word, they, they can see as we, as we practice the truth of God's word as, as God teaches it to us. There's also in these verses um, a kind of a secondary theme of deception because he, as he tells us we need to hear and do God's word, he refers to deceiving yourselves in verse number 22 and to a person deceiving their, their heart in verse number 26. Uh, last week we talked about Satan deceiving us. How Satan likes to take our desires, uh, many times, you know, God-given desires that are okay fulfilled in the right arena, in the right way. But he wants to take our desires and bring his deception to bear, and then something's birthed forth called temptation and sin. Today he's kind of telling us this. We need to take God's Word and allow it to be married to who we are. Allow it to be implanted in, into our lives. 
And instead of birthing forth temptation and sin, it's going to birth forth the things that God desires for our lives. It will help birth forth spiritual maturity uh, in, in our lives. It's one thing for Satan to deceive you. It's another thing for you to be deceived yourself about who you really are in Christ. See, Jesus, I, I think, lets us know that some people are even deceived about whether they're saved or not. Because he said that in that day, talking about a day of judgment, there's going to be a lot of people that will say, but, but Jesus, we did all these things in your name. And Jesus is going to look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. So the people that are deceived about their salvation, there are also people that are deceived about their, their walk, their Christian walk. They're authentically saved, but they are deceived about really who they are and their behavior and, and how mature they are in, uh, in Christ. In Revelation, it says this. There are people that have this attitude, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And I'm afraid sometimes even believers have that mentality that, you know, I'm okay. I'm where I need to be. I'm, I'm growing like I need to grow. And, and yet that's the goal that James has for us. That's why he writes this epistle about spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity and spiritual reality actually comes from us being in a right relation to God through his word. His word needs to mean something to our lives, more than just head knowledge. As he writes in these verses we're looking at today, he tells us that we've got three primary responsibilities to God's word. And that's what we'll be talking about. The first responsibility that we have to God's word is to receive it. He tells us in, in verse 19 through 21 Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We need to be in a right relation with God through his word, and that means to start with, we have to receive it. He refers to it as the, as the implanted word of God. In the Outflow uh, series that we just finished a few weeks ago, one Sunday we were talking about how we need to listen to other people. And we do need to do that. We, we need to listen to others so we even know where they're at so we can minister to them. But when you really look at what's said here in context to the way James writes is he's saying to receive the, the implanted Word of God. So what he's telling us is not just that we need to listen to others, but we need to listen to God. We, we need to hear what God says. God has a word that he wants to implant into our hearts. And for us to grow spiritually mature, we have to listen to him. So to begin with, he says you need to be quick to hear God's word. We, we need to actually be quick. We need to be fast. He said, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Some of the words that he uses uh, in, in the original Greek manuscript and in this text, when he talks about the word know, he's saying you need to see and discern this. You, you need to really take note of. In other words, he's saying what I'm about to say, you need to really hear. It's kind of the, the mentality that he's given. You need to gaze at it. Don't just give a casual glance. And when he says let every person, the word for let actually means to stand. And when we were in the outflow series, I told you that we need to take time to stand still long enough to hear what someone else is saying to us. We also need to take time to stand still to let God speak to us. We need to be still and know that he's God. 
and allow Him to speak to our lives. We need to be very, very quick. You know, like you're being fast, not fleet with your feet, but fleet with your ears. To hear, to come to the point, reach the point that you're giving God audience so He can plant His Word in your life. Jesus said this, He said, He who has ears, let him hear. There's, there's an expectation upon our lives to hear. Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, to accomplish the main theme of this epistle, which is spiritual maturity, the pathway to that is for us to hear what God says, for us to listen to it, for us to allow him to plant that into our lives. He's telling us we need to be quick to receive God's Word. We need to know, see, and discern, stay focused by gazing, take note of what God has to say, and, and, and we need to, to, to listen quickly. And that also implies obedience. When he says for us to, to quickly hear. Now, any of you that are parents will identify with this. When you say something to your kids... Did you say it just to waste your breath? <laughs> or did you say it because you wanted them to hear it? You know. And I, 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 I'm sorry you're sitting beside your mom as I do this. We had somebody sitting beside their mom in the first service. Uh, I'm, you know, yeah, yeah. He's sitting like me? <laughs> yeah, when, what I'm saying is when your mom tells you to do something, she expects you to do it. I'm sorry you're just sitting beside her. She'll probably elbow you in just a minute and say, you see, see there? But that's that's true. I mean, as as uh, what do you do? Move over. Yeah, okay, I'll use that in just a minute. Okay. But when when we say something to our kids, I mean, we we actually want them to listen and not just hear it and let it go in one ear and out the other. We want them to listen to the point that they obey. Amen, parents. And if they don't, we kind of get ticked off a little bit, don't we? So what we're being told here by James is that, that God also has this expectation for us to listen. He, he used family-type language that we looked at last week when he said, my beloved brothers. Now he's using the same type of language, which kind of implies an expected family behavior or an expected family trait. God expects us to have this family trait in our lives. He's our father, we're his children, and he wants us to hear what he says. And by the way, you can't skew it over and get away from God when he talks to you. <laughs> he wants us to be listening to him with obedience. We need to be quick to hear, but it's not just about hearing and, and not doing anything about it. He goes on and he says you need to receive God's word also by being slow to argue or slow to speak and, and slow to become angry. So slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. The, the word there means to be slow or dull, like you don't even hardly understand how to go that direction, but you, you, need, you need to be slow to, to speak. And, and when you look at what's said in the word anger, in, in the Greek, it kind of gives the flavor of arguing. So when, when God speaks to us, when we're reading God's word... If the goal is for God to mature us, for him to make us more like he wants us to be, we don't need to argue with him about what his word says. 
And instead of God saying something to us, and our first response is to speak back to God like we don't like it. That's not going to produce the righteousness that God wants to produce in our lives. The, the word anger just means, you know, kind of like you've got this passion, like you're, the root word even means you're stretching yourself out, like, you're like I'm going to get you, you know, that type, of, that type of mentality, that type of passion. So we, we don't need to be arguing with God, and we don't need to be angry with God when, when God speaks to us from his word, because that will not produce, absolutely not produce, the, the character that God wants to bring about in our lives. See, here's why that's true. If you get upset with a person, as long as you're upset with that person and mad at that person, you probably don't want to hear what they want to say, do you? Oh, you'd quit looking so pious. Be honest. Somebody makes you mad. Do you want to listen to them and do what they tell you to do? Oh, because our old stinking human nature. So, someone that upsets us, someone that has ticked us off, and then they start telling us something, it's like, you know, I don't really want to hear what you're having to say to me. And I'm really not going to do what you're telling me I want to do. So if you carry that over into this relationship with God we're talking about, if when God speaks to us through his word, and we start arguing with God, being upset with God, angry with God about what he's saying in his word, then it will not produce the righteousness, the maturity that he wants to produce in our lives because we build this wall up because we're upset with God, saying, God, I don't like what you said. Can I be fully honest with you? There's a lot of times I read this, and I don't like what it says sometimes. You, huh? But that doesn't mean it's not true. And that doesn't mean that I, I shouldn't apply it to my life just because I... I don't like it. If, if God's going to mature me, if he's going to change me, I, I need to, instead of arguing with him about what his word is saying, I, I need to have a relationship with him, a receptive relationship, where I'm allowing God to speak to my life. Because arguing with him and being upset with him because we don't like what he has said to us, that's, that's not going to produce what he wants to produce in our lives. Now, let me, let me, in full disclosure, let me say this. It's not always negative or a wrong thing to get mad about something. Here's why. Jesus got upset at the money changers, right? He turned the tables over. Got a whip and went after them. So it's not always a negative thing if it's done for the right reason. But if you're getting upset with God because you don't like what God is saying to you, that is a wall that's going to prohibit the growth that God wants to bring about in your life. He says we need to be quick to hear. He says we need to be slow to, to argue or be angered. And a lot of times we just apply that to relationships with people. But you see it in the context of what he says about receiving the implanted word of God. Here it, it also applies to a relationship with God. We don't need to argue with God and be angry with him because that will keep us from receiving his word like he wants us to receive his word. But not only does he tell us to be quick to hear and slow to become angry, he, he tells us we need to reject wickedness and receive the word of God. Verse 21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. 
He's letting us know there's things that we need to cast off from our lives. As, as we see ourselves in the Bible, because I'll talk more about this in a moment, but in a way, the, the Bible is God's mirror. And, and as we read in the Bible, it, it will show us what we really look like. And as God shows us that there's things in our lives that don't need to be there, we need to cast those things away. As much as we can, all of them. Anything that is filthy when it comes to morality. Anything that's against God's will. He used the word rampant wickedness. And that talks about a superabundance of morally bad things in your life. He tells us we need to cast those things away, but we need to receive with meekness, accept into our lives in a fixed position the Word of God with, with humility. I alluded to last week already. I apologize if, if you weren't here and I'm talking about last week. But, but last week, as, as he dealt with the, the theme of temptation, uh, James more or less said that we've got desires and when we allow the devil to bring in his deception to our desires, it's going to birth something implant something, birth forth something, cause something to be conceived, temptation and sin. He, he's using the, the same mentality here really in, in the scriptures as, as we look at it because we need to receive God's word implanted into our lives because it has the ability, the power to save us. We need to take God's word into our life almost like a, a, a seed, a, a, a lady that is expecting, and it causes her to swell. Is even what the word means when you when you look at the word there for for implanted. It's an uh, uh, inopportune uh, Sunday for John to get up and say, "I've got two on the way." <laughs> and, I, and I'm not trying to be improper. But that's that's just that's the idea, the mentality that he uses here. Don't allow Satan to bring his deception and match it to your desires. Instead. We need to, with humility, receive the Word of God and allow His Word to be implanted into our lives in a, in a way that brings forth fruit. In a way that, that, that causes us to, to swell for, for Him. And you see that you have to do both of those because just, just cleaning your life and not putting something in it leaves emptiness. We're getting into the time of year that people used to talk about spring cleaning. I don't know if anyone does spring cleaning anymore, anything like that. I remember my mom, you know, talking about that every year. Well, it's time for spring cleaning and all that. Just, man, hey, there's work for you to do, you know. But, but if, I, if I go through kind of like spring cleaning in my life and, and all I do is take stuff out and I don't put anything in, there's emptiness there. James is kind of alluding to our, our lives like a garden. And, and a lot of you probably are preparing a garden right now. And you might have been out and you've been, you know, turning the soil, breaking the soil, and getting all the weeds out of the way and, and everything like that. But if that's all you do, you don't have a garden, do you? I mean, if all you do is break up the ground and get the weeds out of the way and you stop there, you don't have a garden. What you have to do is go to that broken up ground... And you have to plant seed there, right? To have a garden. And I think he's telling us our lives need to be like humbled ground. Our lives need to be like broken ground where with humility 
We allow God not just to get the weeds out, we allow God to plant His Word into our lives so it will bear forth fruit for Him. So, so we'll have a garden that, that bears the right things for, for Him. A few uh, weeks ago in the uh, Alpha series, when John brought the uh, message, he was up here cranking out and throwing seeds all over the place. And, uh, you know, in the parable of the sower, you've got that uh, idea of some falling on hard ground and some being choked out by thorns and, and things like that. What we need to do is, is be broken ground before God and let God put His Word in our heart. Because his goal is to mature us, to make us more like he wants us to be. And for that to happen, we, we have to be receiving God's word in, into our lives. So the first step, the first responsibility that we have toward God's word that James has addressed this morning, that we've just talked about, is that we need to receive the word of God. But we don't need to stop there. We also need to perform the word of God. To practice the word of God. And in verse 22 through 25, James kind of, I think he tells us, avoid being this kind of Christian, and instead you need to adopt being this type of Christian. He said, be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He said, listen, this is what you need to avoid. Don't be a believer that only hears. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. There's just some highlights of some of the words that he uses there. He, he, he says to but, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. And the, the word that he uses there means cause or degenerate. He's still that same mentality of a seed being planted and, and a conception takes forth and something is growing in our lives. He, he says we need to be doers. Uh, it's kind of an interesting phrase. Be like a performer poet of God's word. Not just hearers only, not merely someone that only hears without any action or deeds because that causes you to deceive yourself. You have a, a wrong estimate of yourself. You've deluded yourself. You've taken a false inventory of yourself spiritually if you think all you need to do is hear the Word and not ever be a doer of the Word. And he says that kind of person is like a man that looks intently at his face in a mirror. He sees his image. He sees that reflective image fully in a fixed position. He, he's looked and he understands exactly what he looks like. He observes it fully, but then he goes away and walks away and turns away from it and acts like he never saw anything. And he doesn't make any changes whatsoever. He loses out of his mind. He neglects what he just saw. And I'm afraid that's the problem that many of us have as Christians and, and a problem maybe the church has in this day and time also, we might like to get in Bible studies, and man, we'll read the Bible, and we'll sit there, and we'll maybe pull out a highlighter, and we'll be marking our, our, our Bibles. Nothing wrong with that. But a lot of Christians will do that, and they will not allow the Bible to mark them. And God wants us to do more than just hear it. He wants us to allow His Word to mark our lives. To, to change our lives, to be something that's active in, in our lives. It's not just enough to hear the Word of God. That will not mature us. 
What benefit is it for, for you to go to a mirror and you look and you see yourself and then you go away and not make any changes? Man, a lot of, a lot of you ladies, uh, especially, and the, the guys, we do it too, but, you know, you'll go and check yourself out in the mirror. Why do you do it? I mean, why are you doing it? You're, you're looking to see if there's something out of place, something you need to change, right? That's why you do it. I, I go look in the mirror and I try to see if my hair's out of place. You may go look in the mirror and you're trying to check out and see, is, is my face dirty? And you might be looking at yourself and you might think, oh, I kind of like what I see. And you smile and you see you got stuff on your teeth. Food hung there. I apologize up front for this one, but you might look in the mirror and there's a dried booger hanging out right there. What good is it if you go and you observe all that stuff and then you just go away and don't make any changes? And you act like you didn't see it. And that's the illustration that James has given us here. What good is it in our lives? How does it help mature us? How does it help us to be more like Christ? How does it help us to be more effective in reaching somebody else's life? If all we do is look into this mirror of the Word of God, and when we see ourselves, and God will show us ourselves, if we'll spend time in it, and we see ourselves, we, you know, we just kind of, well, and we go and we... Uh, put it down and we go away unchanged and we don't change anything that he just pointed out to us we need to change the goal is maturity and will not mature and become more like jesus unless as we look in god's mirror we figure out hey there's something i need to do it's not just hearing god's word it's that we need to Listen and apply God's word and make the needed changes in, in our lives because if we fail to do so, all we're doing is kidding ourselves and deceiving ourselves. We really need to learn this, I think, as, as Christians. Being a mature Christian is not about just getting God's blessing. It's about you and I getting to the point that we are being God's blessing. Do you understand the difference? Yeah, we need to get a blessing from God. We need to get things from His Word, but we need to do it in order that we can be a blessing to people around us. That, that we can show them the love of God, that we can reach out into their lives and make a difference in, in their lives. I'll be, I'll be as honest with you as I can about this and straightforward. And, 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 and as I say this, I'm saying it about myself and I think all of Christianity uh, pretty much. Uh, I think the reason that so many of us feel like we're living unfulfilled lives spiritually, is that all we do is take in and take in and take in. We hear, 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 and we never do. And, and I think that's proved itself a little bit as we focused on outflow. Because we can come to church. It's easy to come to church and, and always make it, you know, about someone else. Well, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. They didn't sing my song. Somebody didn't shake my hand. Uh, the preacher didn't preach a message I'd like to hear. And, and we can always point and make it about other things. When the truth of the matter is, the reason we are spiritually lean and unfulfilled in our lives is that all we're doing is hearing, 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 and we're never allowing it to change anything in our lives and cause us to do something to serve others. Some of you that have had a chance to go and do some type of little outflow event that we've already done, did it not meet a need in your life also? 
And I think that's the element that's missing in many Christians' lives. It is that they're not doing more than just hearing. So avoid being that kind of Christian. Instead, adopt being this type of Christian. Be a hearer and a doer. He said, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. A maturing Christian, a Christian that God is working on and changing their lives, is a Christian that will look into this word like it's a mirror, see themselves in this word, see what God desires, see the changes that need to take place, and take this word as an implanted seed into your life. Because the seed only grows in obedient soul, to be honest with you. As we hear and we obey what he's saying to us. He, he tells us several reasons why we ought to be a hearer and a doer. First of all, he tells us that it's a perfect word. God's word is a perfect mirror. But the one who looks into the perfect law, and the phrasing that he uses in the, in the Greek literally means someone who, you, you, just, you realize you need to lean over. Hey, there's something interesting here. There's something worthwhile. There's something my life needs. And you're actually leaning over to peer inside this mirror, to peer inside God's Word. It even gives us the idea of humility, as though you're bowing before it and you're, and you're stooping down to where you can really hear from God. Because this is the perfect thing that we need in our lives to, to help us mature. He, he even said that it was a, you know, a, a perfect, complete law. And the word law actually means something beneficial. We think of the law as something negative many times. But in terms of, of the word that's used here, it talks about parceling out like food to grazing animals. That's the way we ought to consider God's word. It's something for us to feed upon. It's something to give us the guidance that we need. It's the perfect guidance that we need if we're going to mature in our lives. It's not just a perfect mirror. It's also a helpful mirror. Because he said the perfect law of liberty. God's law is something that brings freedom into our lives. As we allow the Word of God to show us the changes we need to make, that frees us from wrong behavior, that frees us from sin, that, that helps us to become more like Jesus, and we experience a, a level of freedom in our Christian walk that we would not if we weren't allowing the Bible to speak to us and show us the changes that we need to make. And he also says it's a worthwhile mirror. It's actually worth spending some time in. He used the word persevere, to stay near, to remain, to tarry. To be permanent, to abide over God's Word. Not being a hearer who just merely hears and is negligent and forgets what they've said, but be a doer. Be that performer poet that I mentioned a moment ago who allows God's Word to, to mean something in your life and you're trying to, to, to act it out, to perform it for the world around you, to be a, a poet of God's love for others to see. We need to spend time, we need to persevere in God's Word. Because you see, not just being a hearer, but being a doer is where, is where the blessing's found. Because he said that's when you'll be blessed. 
James in this section is talking to us about three responsibilities we have to God's Word. The first one is to receive it. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you don't receive it, how will you do anything with it? But not just receive it, not just hear it, you need to perform it. We, we need to allow God's Word to be something that actually guides our, our lives, makes changes in our lives. A mirror we look in, we say, oh, I need to change this, I need to change that, I need to do this. But not only do we need to receive God's Word to hear it and to do God's Word to perform it, we also need to share God's Word. In verse 26 and 27, he says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, I just said you need to share God's Word, and I read those two verses to you, and you might be thinking to yourself, it didn't say anything in the world about me speaking God's Word. You're right, it didn't. Because there are other ways to share God's Word than just speak God's Word. We can also share God's Word by living God's Word. By giving a demonstration of God's Word. He said if someone thinks, if someone supposes he has this reputation of existing as someone that's religious, and the word actually means a demonstration, it's something that's taking place in your life. The, the word that's translated religion here means an outward practice of service to God. It's only used five times in the New Testament, and the majority of the times it's translated by, by worship or worshiping. And he says that kind of person that assumes they have this outward activity of, of worship, this outward display of religion, but they can't even bridle their own tongue, their own speech, they're not driving, and like, like a bit in a horse's mouth. And, you know, he, James says a lot about that later. We'll uh, hit that uh, topic in a, in a few weeks. He said if, if someone assumes he's religious and, and they don't even control their speech... They're deceiving their own heart. They're deluding their own heart because that person's religion, that outward demonstration is vanity, is profitless. It has no purpose to it. It's folly. It might even be an idol in your life. And then he tells us really what religion looks like. Religion that is pure and undefiled, that ceremonious outward religion, that display of religion that's clean, clear, and pure is this. It's not just what you say, it's something you do. To go and visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction. Now that doesn't mean that's all there is to us serving God and, and performing a display of, of God's word in our, in our lives, but he gives us a, a place to work from. And he says we need to go and see, inspect, look out for, relieve the parentless or the comfortless or, or the widow that has this deficiency, this vacancy in her life because of her loss. We need to go and try and relieve them in their pressure, in their anguish, in the burden, the persecution, the tribulation that they're facing in their lives. We as believers need to go and do something about it. 
And you see, that is also the way you share God's word. We've adopted too much the idea of sharing the word of God means that I come over to someone and I take the Bible and I say, you see this, Daniel? You really see this? And, and, and we've got where we think that's what it means to, to, to share God's word. And that is part of it. But only words without any action misses the point. If, if, we're, if we're going to really grow spiritually, and that's the purpose of this epistle. Remember, that's why he's writing. Yes, we need to receive God's Word, and yes, we need to practice God's Word, but we need to do so in order to share it with other people, to reach into people's lives and make a difference. The, the implanted Word of God into our lives ought to affect some areas of our lives. It should affect our speech. Because he talked about someone bridling their, their, their tongue, it ought to affect our speech. It ought to affect our service. Because he talked about going to, to see the... The, the widows and, and, and the orphans and to minister to people and, and to take care of, of them, but it also ought to affect our sanctification or the purity that we have in our life. Because he said, keep oneself unstained from the world. Pure religion, real religion, from God's standpoint... A real outward display of religion has nothing to do with temples and buildings and worship services and ceremonial days, traditions, or anything like that. Real religion is God's Word changing our lives to where we change the lives of other people. Where we receive the implanted Word of God into our lives and that way, other people can be blessed by our speech. Other people can be blessed by our service. Other people can be blessed by the, by the maturity that we have and the purity that we have in our lives. Real religion is not just coming and hearing God's Word and forgetting it and not applying it to your life. Real religion is allowing God's Word to change you and God to use you to minister to others and, and change others. Receiving the implanted word ought to also cause us to see some things clearly. As I look in God's word, this mirror of God's word, it ought to help me see myself correctly. It should help me see others correctly as God sees them and have the desire to minister to them and love them. It ought to also help me see the world correctly to the point that I understand the world is not my friend because the world wants to stain my life. And the world wants to stain, stain your life. We need to do a lot more than merely hear God's truth or merely know God's truth. In this section of James, he's telling us we need to practice the truth. And he starts out today in these verses with this theme that we've just established today by telling us you need to hear it, but you also need to do it. We need to accept God's Word into our life and let it make a change in our life. 
and minister to other people around us. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for the, uh, for the times that we've read your word and we've heard your word and then we've walked away without any changes taking place. Forgive us for the times we've, we've experienced you showing us our lives and the changes that we need to make, just like we're looking in a mirror to see the cosmetic changes we need to make in our lives. Father, you, you tell us in your word the changes that we need to make that are much more than cosmetic. Forgive us that we've made it all about hearing. That we'll put our Bibles on the shelf and come to church on Sunday and pull our Bible out and then go home and put it back on the shelf and, and we go away unchanged. God, grant us the humility that we need to be like broken soul before you, to receive your implanted word into our lives so it might birth forth from our lives what you desire. We ask this in Christ's name. Right before they, uh, they do this song we call an invitation song, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Have you, been, have you been looking? I mean, have you actually been spending time taking the mirror, looking in at God's Word, and allowing Him to show you your life? You're not going to grow without that. If the only time you whip your Bible out is when you're on the way to church, or on the way to small group, and it stays on your shelf or wherever, on your desk or wherever the rest of the week. You're not going to grow like he wants you to grow. So, so simply, simple question. Have, have, have you been taking time, spending time, leaning over, looking into this word and seeing yourself? Second question is, do you like what you see? Sometimes I don't. It shows me things about myself that I wish were not there. Maybe ask yourself this question, how are others seeing you? Because if all you're doing is hearing and you're not practicing and you're not sharing it through ministry in your life, they're probably not hearing what you think they hear. What God wants them to hear from your life. Why take the time to look in a mirror at home and not make any changes? No benefit at all in doing that. And there's not real benefit in our lives just to look here and not allow it to change us. So wherever you are in your, in your walk, that's what he's talking to us about our walk, our, our Christian maturity. Wherever you are in your walk today, Will you be honest before God and just listen to Him during this song? And He may tell you, hey, you're not spending enough time in my Word. You're not receiving it like you need to. He will probably tell all of us we're not practicing it like we need to. And we're probably not sharing it like we need to.
Just listen to Him, His Spirit, His Holy Spirit at this time. If He speaks to your heart and tells you to come and kneel, do that. If He tells you to stay there and pray, do that. But listen for what God says to you right now. Please stand. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.